Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to The Fitness Journey. Today is going to be episode five featuring my man, Steve Swistak. Steve, stay what's up. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. So um, we're going to be talking the same as always, you know, where he came about. Um, just I, I do know Steve, um, but I don't know him very well. I know a few things about him. One, that uh, he's very into Olympic weightlifting and now CrossFit. Um, I am very interested to learn more about his Olympic weightlifting career. I do know he has gone to the CrossFit Games as a master's athlete, correct, right? Which is an amazing accomplishment and very cool. Um, I know that he is also, not only is he good at Olympic weightlifting, but he's also very good at coaching it. Um, as From kid, youth age kids um, all the way up to the highest level, he helps people get better Olympic weightlifting, which I find really cool. Um, so we're going to learn more about that. Um, the first question, as always, is just going to be like, how did he get into fitness? Who got him there? And uh, what was it? Yeah, thanks a lot, Tommy. Uh, kind of the start of the whole thing was I was 11 years old. My parents are um, of Polish descent. So in Poland, it wasn't like they were playing football or basketball. You know, my dad was in, into wrestling and weightlifting. So when they came to the country, um, it wasn't about, hey, let's learn how to throw a football. It was, it was essentially, let's get some weights out there and start start teaching the movement. So when I was 11 years old, my dad bought a weight set, you know, cheapest weight set you could find. But a, a big focus for him was how do I have my kids move effectively? Um, so literally from, from 11, it was technique first and then build strength, you know, second. And I think that's really where a lot of how I coach today kind of started. Um, you know, it was building a foundation of how do we move effectively, how do we move efficiently, and then the strength will follow. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, as I started to move on as a, as a youth athlete, a youth weightlifter, you know, I wasn't the strongest kid, but I was moving better than everybody else. Um, yeah, I'd look at guys who were way bigger than me, and I, you, you go into a, a weigh-in room, and you're like, Jesus, he's going to crush me at this next competition. Uh, my dad would always just say, listen, you're, you're moving better than they will, and I promise you, you're probably going to outlift them. And 90-plus percent of the time, I did. So that was the, the mindset, you know, as I started to coach and get more involved with, with athletes, you know, today, you know, how do I have them understand that that foundational technique is more important than anything else and the rest will follow. Uh, I played a heck of a lot of sports too. I mean, I feel like, you know, the more athletic you are as a kid, you know, the better chances you have of succeeding just in general in whatever sport you decide to focus on in the future. Uh, I played basketball, I actually ran cross country, uh, played some sand volleyball whenever I had a chance. So I, I really had a foundation too of just trying to be as athletic as possible. Uh, the weightlifting was something that wasn't very popular back then. I mean, honestly, no one knew what a snatch and a clean and jerk were back in, you know, 1987, you know, in the early nineties, you know, the running joke was, you know, what the hell is a snatch and shouldn't it be something, not a clean and jerk, but something a little bit more derogatory than that for lack of a better way to say it. Um, so it was more of a joke, you know, and it was interesting what I was doing, but no one really had a clue of, of how involved um, I was in the sport. You know, at 16 and 17 years old, the uh, United States uh, Weightlifting Federation or USA Weightlifting now uh, had a bunch of junior camps that you could qualify for as a weightlifter. And they did a phenomenal job of having, you know, two or three week summer camps. They had a winter camp. Um, that they would host in Colorado Springs at the Olympic Training Center. So at an early age, it was something that I strive for, kind of goal setting to, to make, uh, to get to a camp and to really train with some of the better athletes. 
and I was able to qualify for that junior team and, and go to probably be four or five camps throughout the summer and winter before turning 17 and, and graduating high school and then getting accepted as, a, as an athlete there. Yeah, so um, I'm definitely very interested to learn more about the Olympic lifting come up. Um, something I heard you say, which I completely agree with, was that um, the more athletic you are in other sports probably will help you perform better in your sport. And I think like a lot of people nowadays more so than ever, they try to specialize their kid at a very young age. Like my kid's going to play basketball at eight years old and that is going to be it. And he doesn't play football. He doesn't play baseball where I feel like kids um, benefit from learning how to move in different ways and um, just overall strength and conditioning as well. And I feel like a lot of people like to just micronize their training to one specific thing. Um, so I, I was happy to hear you say that because I truthfully believe that as well. And I think a lot of people need to learn that. Um, another thing is what I want to know now is like, you know, you're 11 years old and you're starting an Olympic weightlift and like, whether you like it or not, you're probably going to do it because your parents were teaching you it. So you were going to do it. But at what age where it was like, um, do I like, I like to do this. And did, when did you realize like you were pretty good at this as well? Yeah. So let's just kind of start with you know, the athlete that's really specialized right now. Um, I do coach a lot of youth athletes. I coach some uh, just general athletes on, a, on lacrosse teams. You know, so I'm a, I'm a big believer in specialization. I mean, at the end of the day, if you want to become a better weightlifter, you're going to have to spend a hell of a lot of time weightlifting. And it goes for all the sports. But I do think, especially seeing kids coming in at an early age that I've coached, you know, whether it's the lacrosse team or the barbell club that I coach, a lot of these kids while they're extremely talented at that sport that they're looking to specialize in, they just, they don't know how to move. I mean, I've had kids where you come in and they can't touch their toes, you know, when we start a stretch or they can't do an air squat. Um, forget about putting a barbell in their hands. It's, it's things like this that to me are just general foundational um, movements that they should be able to do before ever going in and specializing and, and throwing a, you know, learning how to throw a fastball. If you're not strong enough to throw a fastball, or can do that effectively, then and how, you know, what are the chances that you're going to stay healthy one? And then, you know, how, how long is your career going to be if you don't have that foundational strength built? So that's been the biggest thing for me. It's, you know, teaching these kids that let's be fundamental in our movements first, and then the rest will follow similar to what I was taught when I was a little kid, you know, let's get strong. And then all of the other things like becoming a better basketball player, like, you know, wanting to play down low and push people around all those things came from sound foundational technique and efficiency. That's really what it came down to. So that's why I preach it so much. I, I again, I, I love when they say I'm going to go specialize and go to another program and, and, and learn how to potentially throw a fastball or, you know, build on some footwork and do some things that might help me on the field. But at the end of the day, let's get you strong. Let's teach you how to move before you go and do those specialized things. So that's key there. Um, what was the second question? It was, it was just about um, like at what age like did you like weight realize you liked weightlifting and like wanted to take it up a notch? Like this is going to be my sport. Yeah. So like I said, when I was a, a younger athlete, it wasn't very popular. So you know, I think about myself in high school. You know, I'm 44 years old right now. So at at 16, 17, it was hard to get into the garage, which is where we trained back then. We didn't we didn't have the luxury of of having CrossFit gyms and just general, you know, barbells around where you can go and train with other people. We didn't have that luxury. So my, 
my dad had a setup in the garage where it was like, hey, you know, it's nice outside. Get out there and get your lifting done. All of my friends were going out, playing hoops, you know, pick up football games, you know, doing other things that I was also, you know, uh, excited about and wanted to do. At 16 uh, and 17 is when I really realized, you know, after playing basketball for a number of years, it's like, how far can I really take basketball? You know, I was was pretty athletic at that point. You know, I was on the varsity team and, and doing what I had to do on the basketball team. But I had already qualified for those junior camps and weightlifting. Um, it was a smaller audience, and you know, goals like getting to junior worlds, which were still hold championships today. You know, traveling outside the country were more appealing to me at that point than um, playing basketball on a team. You know, I felt like it was it was my time at about 16 years old to say I'm going to make a decision now to, you know put the other sports aside and really put a hundred percent of my focus into the one sport and it ended up being weightlifting. So when I graduated high school, uh, I had literally just came, came back from the summer camp at the Olympic training center in Colorado Springs. And, you know, I was going into my freshman year of college in New Jersey and I got a call from the Olympic training center. Some of the coaches there asking me to, uh, if I wanted to become a resident athlete, um, at the at the training center and trained full time with some of the best athletes in weightlifting at the time, and for me at that particular moment, again there weren't other places to train. You know, it was either stay home, get in the garage and push yourself, or get in front of some great athletes, and you know you guys push together. And obviously, for obvious reasons, I made the call and moved out to Colorado Springs, and I was out there for five years, training, competing, going to school, and um, having a hell of a lot of having a lot of fun. That's amazing. And um, before I get into that, because I'm very interested now what that was like, I can only imagine. Um, but what you, it was cool how you were, it, it took you till you were 16 to be like, you know what, like these other sports, I can't put as much time and attention into them. It wasn't when you were like 13 years old and you're like, this is all I'm going to do. It was like, you know what, like, let me play it out. Let me have fun with my friends. And then you realize like, okay basketball is not going anywhere i'm good at it but that's all there is and you realize you had this in weightlifting and i'm sure basketball like that's a sport that focuses on explosive movements and shifting your body weight like i'm sure there was some carryover into the olympic weightlifting probably more from the olympic weightlifting to basketball but regardless they go hand in hand and i think that's something to note that you know at 16 years old that's when you kind of decided like um, this is going to be it. And I feel as if that's an appropriate age for a lot of people. Um, I feel maybe for some it's a little too young. Um, regardless now, though, going to train at the Olympic Center full-time with the best, one of the, some of the best weightlifting coaches in the world, definitely probably the best in the country, and being not just in front of them but in front of the best athletes as well. Um, so let's hear about that because that I'm interested in. Yeah, it was a, an amazing experience. I mean, you know, most kids at 17, 18 are kind of becoming freshmen in college and moving on and, and proceeding with life that way. I mean, mine took a detour where uh, my primary focus at that point was to try to make an Olympic team. You know, so when I got out there at I was still 17 years old when I graduated high school, I was one of the younger kids that graduated. You know, the plan for me was how can I you know, potentially make an Olympic team you know, at some point in the future? Um, and really the only way to do that was to train with those athletes. And, you know, I quickly learned that to get better, you know, you want to have, yeah, you want to have the best coaches, but you want to be around the athletes that have very similar mindsets and that are pushing just as hard as you are pushing, because inevitably you're going to, you're going to work just a little bit harder and, and, and grind out, 
um, those days that are painful, you know, a little bit, little bit easier than you would if you were at home in the garage. So that was a big thing for me. Um, the beautiful thing about the Olympic Training Center was we had, you know, Dragomir Soroslan, who was uh, an Olympic bronze medalist in 1984. Um, we had Bob Morris, who was a well-renowned coach for years and still is to this day, training us. And we had about 15, you know, great athletes there, some Olympians already, others aspiring just like I was to become an Olympian at some point in the future. Uh, the first month or two of me getting out there my coach immediately said you know you're six foot tall you weigh about 170 pounds we need you to bulk up and get bigger so a primary focus for me initially was forget about you know my movements were already sound I was pretty strong it was how do I start to put on some size and and grow into my body over the first you know year or two of being out there um quick question really fast before we take you off topic how much were you lifting six foot 170 pounds at that time uh, i'm guessing my if i remember correctly i was probably snatching i know i'd say it was probably about 100 kilos so 220 clean and jerk and maybe 275 125 kilos so these numbers weren't super like we weren't great but as a junior athlete 17 yeah. at that time you know it was they were pretty darn good lifts um, you look at it today and, and some of the athletes we have now and um, those lifts are nothing. I mean, you've got 15, 14-year-olds hitting these lifts in, in weight classes that are a lot lighter. But back then, it was it was a pretty big deal. Oh, yeah. um, let's just say I started there, and I ended my career five years later, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, snatching just uh, just around 330 pounds, so 150 kilos, and clean and jerking just under 400. So, you know, obviously in a five-year span <laughs> – I put on some size. I also went from 176 pound frame to weighing just about 238 pounds and, and topping off in uh, just under super heavyweight weight class. And I was looking to get bigger at that point. In hindsight, I look back, I probably put on weight too fast. My dad, you know, grilled me on that forever. Yeah, I was probably eating a little bit too much despite having nutritionists and all those people we could talk to there. You're a young kid and you're like, screw it, I'm just going to get big. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, started at that particular you know, not necessarily the strongest kid, but they asked me to put on size, and with that size came strength, and obviously the lifts came with it. Um, what I want to hear about is, like, you know, what was their their model? Like, what was their – besides, like, of course, you eat in, but, like, uh, clearly you said you ate too much. So you, they were probably just, like, eat up, brother. And But what was the training like? Like, was it twice a day? Like, what, what was it like? What was the mindset? Like, were you nervous about going against these big athletes? Like, I like how you said, um, like – how you're going to adapt to what's around you and having the like-minded people. And I completely agree. You know, there's, there's some of the five people you're around that, you know, all these sayings and whatnot. Um, but yeah, what I want to hear is like, what was that like? Cause that's not a lot of people don't get to do that in their lives. And I think it's an awesome experience. I want to hear more about it. Yeah. So, I mean, weightlifting is a grind, you know, it takes a special kind of person, you know, and now that I coach it, you know, it, it really takes a special kind of person to want to go in there and beat themselves up every single day. I mean, at the end of the day, what did we do? We did the lifts. You know, I mean, we trained twice a day, six days a week, a majority of the year with very little time off. Um, we didn't do all the fancy accessory pieces like you start to see, you know, today, like you see today. It was very much squat, pull, press, you know, and the lifts, you know, whether it's power snatches, power cleans, full snatches you know, full cleaning jerks. And that's really what the program revolved around. Yeah, we did the accessory stuff like ab work and, you know, box jumps and bench pressing, but that was not a priority. A priority at that point was 
you're grinding through the lifts and you know it's a move these are movements that are very vertical in nature so your body gets beat up pretty quickly so the mindset is can i get to the next day and being that you're surrounded by those other athletes going through the same grind it made it easier for us to get up and get in there and, and get that training started it wasn't easy um you know, twice a day, six days a week, you know, we had a morning session at around 930. And then we had another session at 4pm. You know, so the day started, you know, I wake up for breakfast as a team. Um, I remember my breakfast back then. And it's pretty disgusting. When I think about it, it was uh, two bowls of cereal, uh, whatever cereals they had three egg American cheese omelet with American cheese, two bananas, two large drinks, two pastries or whatever the heck they had as far as pastries for the day, cup of coffee, and then I was heading to my workout. So that was breakfast back then for me, you know? And then I would eat again after the workout at 11. I'd eat again before the four o'clock session around three. And then I would eat again after the workout and then have like a late night snack. So the joke again for me is I knew I was getting big when I'd go to Subway and get a foot long and a half and, you know, polish that off at 10 o'clock at night. That's when I knew, all right, it's, it's time to maybe slow down a little bit here. I was getting a little bit too large. But even the nutritional part of it, I mean, when they said put on weight, you don't realize the amount of energy and effort it takes to stay consistent and try to put on weight for people like myself who struggled my entire career, you know, keeping weight on. You know, as I've gotten older, it's easier, right? It's, you know, my metabolism isn't as, as good as it used to be for obvious reasons, but it was always a struggle and I had to force myself to stay big and, and eat that much. Otherwise, I would just lean out. Um, so for me, it was not only a grind in the gym and, and hitting those weights every single day and, and grinding away at the, at the percentages they throw at us, but the mindset of I've got to eat consistently to maintain my strength and my body weight. Um, if I stepped on a scale and I was, you know, a kilo or two down from the day before, it would be, uh, it would be kind of a, it's, it would screw with my mind as if, oh man, I'm, I'm lighter. So now I'm weaker, you know, in hindsight, that's not the case, but, um, that's the mindset I had back then. You know, luckily I've changed that. Yeah. Um, that's funny. I mean, what's interesting, um, I want to ask you if your opinion on it, the way you trained, it sounded a lot like it was maybe adapted from like the Soviets because I remember that was their big thing. And obviously a big scandal came out with the doping and the steroid use. And that's why these people were able to max out their lifts every day and get so strong. It was like, how come they're just dominating? Like, um, so that's what I just very fast. I would like for you to touch on that. Like, is, is that how that was adapted? Yeah, it was definitely the Soviet system that we were following. Um, we weren't following the Bulgarian routine, which was max out every single day um, and go as heavy as possible. Uh, you're right. I mean, drugs played an, a huge role in weightlifting and, and really up until this day have played a, a huge role. And we're starting to see a, a, a massive shift in um, how they're tackling you know, drug users and countries and how they're limiting their ability to compete at these high levels. But drugs, you know, we were around it. You know, we were tested... Now, I'll be honest with you, I was probably tested once a month for the five years I was there, you know, maybe maybe not that often, but we were tested very frequently. Um, and, and our mindset was, we know we're going to get our asses kicked when we get to an international competition. It was frustrating. So to this day, I am absolutely opposed to any kind of drug use. And, and I don't speak out enough about it. It just, why do that to your body? Um, the whole point of what we do, whether it was weightlifting or now with CrossFit and fitness is to, 
to just be a, a, a healthier person, you know, a healthier version of yourself. So why put these things in your system? Um, I will also say, though, that, you know, if you look back and you look at countries like Cuba or even Bulgaria back then, some of the communist countries, if, you know, they had said to you in that scenario, hey, we're going to feed your family and, um, you know, we're going to stick a needle in your ass to, to get you to the next level, but we're going to provide everything you need for your family. You, you might think differently, but we're not in that place right now. Um, so despite all that, you know, it was uh, it was a training methodology that was very much a Soviet system and it still works today. I mean, a lot of how I program for my athletes is based off of how I was coached back then. It was percentage driven. Um, we squat a lot, we pull a lot, we do the lifts a lot. And the accessory work kind of comes as secondary, if not, a, you know, third down the list. It's definitely not a priority or not as much of a priority unless we need to hone in on certain things. And yeah, that was going to be another question for you was like, how do you train the your kids the exact same way you got trained? Because like you said, all these accessory lifts have become very popular. I think probably molded from like Chinese weightlifting. Like that's, I see that a lot, at least with them, they're doing all types of snatch balances and different works to work on different positions and all that, which I think is good and fun. But I do, like you said, like if you don't have the basics, there's no point of that. Of course, I uh, completely agree. Um, so yeah, it's definitely interested to hear what you said. Of, and yeah, that was the big thing. The Soviets got you know, busted with blood doping and steroid use and, you know, the whole Olympic things. And it's obviously still in there today. Like, there's no question. I mean, it just is. And there's nothing you can do about it. And um, and it, it must have been frustrating, especially in you. It was just like, you're fighting for a spot, but you know, regardless what happens, even if you do get that spot, it's going to be a rough time when you get to those international competitions. Regardless, I think the experience is amazing. So, um if what were some of your accomplishments while you were there then i want to move on and get into where you are now yeah so let me just touch one last thing on the on the doping you know in the u.s we were always you know, we're the country that was trying to catch all these other all these other we were the always in the forefront of how do we catch these athletes and i'm not saying that we did a phenomenal job of it but we tested more than others whereas some of the other countries who are very well known today to be, you know, well-known drug using countries were paying for ways to figure out how to beat the tests, you know? So we knew, like you had said, getting into our international events that we were going to get our asses kicked. But for us, it was, it was frustrating because we knew, Hey, if I can just bump my total by 10 or 15%, which is really what the drug ends up doing for these athletes, you know, we could be on the podium. Lucky enough, today we've got some phenomenal athletes, a phenomenal pool of athletes because of, and I'll say it, I mean, CrossFit was a huge part of the success for weightlifting. It took a while for it to kind of transition over, but the fact that there are so many gyms available today um, have, have just opened up people's eyes to what these movements are, and, and there's been a huge shift from, hey, I don't want to do CrossFit anymore or fitness, I want to just be a weightlifter. Um, and that young guy with the long hair? Uh... kid um he's like 14 or 15 years old but clean 400 pounds he's not he doesn't have uh, long Harris, hair. Harrison? That, Harrison's one of them and then the other kid who's like 14 or 15 now I think he might be working with Catalyst Athletics I'm not sure um yeah no those, California but regardless yeah those are the kinds of athletes we're seeing right now because they're just they're working on things before anyone else has ever worked on them at that age in the pool I mean the talented think about if I had an NFL player who can power clean you know 400 pounds already and then i put him into the gym at age 16 or 15 or younger and he becomes a weightlifter genetically these kids are gifted and, and already athletic 
Um, and we've seen that in the sport. I mean, we had athletes like Mark Henry, Shane Hammond, these guys who, you know, Mark Henry in the WWE, Shane Hammond, the, he had a world record back squat of 1,008 pounds clean. This was, you know, non-drug used uh, powerlifting comp. So we had those, but it was far and few between. Um, today, it's just the pool of athletes is so much larger and you're getting kids like CJ Cummings, who's just a freak of nature and is 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 been on the world podium, placed, you know, at several international competitions and won gold medals. And I'm, I'm bummed that we're not seeing an Olympics in 2020. And I'm hoping we see it in 2021. Some of my accomplishments though, I mean, you know, for me getting out there and qualifying for uh, the, just getting out and being part of that Olympic training center team, you know, that to me, that was a huge, huge accomplishment for me. It, it took me away from um, kind of the day-to-day -day lifestyle of being at home and and had me grow up. I mean, I was a rookie going in as a 17-year-old, and if you could imagine kind of the rookie blues, you know, all the veterans, it was, it was kind of like they're beating you up and trying to see and test you. And, and, you know, once you were able to get through some of their tests, you, know, you became one of the guys. And I think that was not a hazing by any stretch. There was no hazing going on. It was just, can you mentally bear being out here with us? And if you can over the first three or four months, then you're part of the team. And that's what happened. Beyond that, it was qualifying for, you know, junior world championships. I did that two years in a row. Uh, both years that I qualified, they were held in Poland, in Warsaw, Poland. So I had a chance to go back and visit some family. Uh, my best placing was my last year as a junior. I hit, I think I did 140 kilo snatch and clean and jerked 175 there. So that's equivalent to like 308 and like 370 something as a junior athlete. Uh, and placed eighth. That was my best finish. Went six for six. So those were two of the biggest accomplishments. I was a junior national champion. A lot of what I had accomplished was as a junior athlete. Um, back then, there was a there was a hard transition from junior to senior athlete. There were no transitional meets. We had a university championships that took place back then. But yeah, at that point, I had been training for five or six years at a at an intense level, and you know I wanted to do some other things with my life. So at 22 23 decided to to move back east finish my education at rutgers university and kind of move on with life i got reintroduced not reintroduced but i you know after all that training it's just you take a break from it all together you know you, you needed a mental break your body needed a break and uh i guess in my mid-30s is when i finally found crossfit and and the purpose of it or how I found it was through Coach Bergner. You know, he was a coach of mine when I was younger. He's very well known um, as an Olympic weightlifting coach in the CrossFit world. And I'm like, what the hell is this CrossFit thing? Let's go try it out. Go figure, you know, a lot of it was Olympic lifts. And initially I'm like, why would someone want to do 30 snatches for time? That makes no sense to me. You know, that, that sounds awfully silly. And then I got sucked in and here I am today. Yeah, so that was going to be my first question to you. Like, how did you get into CrossFit? Because you're now, you know, an accomplished athlete with CrossFit. Um, Masters Games athlete is extremely impressive. The sport has been developing since you started. And what was cool was I was going to ask you how long that break was. And it was like 10 plus years of you really doing any kind of fitness, which makes sense. Um, you know, you're just beat up. Like, you're, you, you committed enough of your life to it at some point where you were like, okay, let me go somewhere else. And then it gets reintroduced to your life. So you said it was Coach Bergner who is like the CrossFit Olympic weightlifting coach, essentially. They use their programming. He's always at the seminars and all that. Um, he seems like a really interesting guy. Um, regardless, though, um, was there like a friend who was like, yeah, I'm doing CrossFit. You want to try it out with me? Or it was like I saw him doing it and I was like, let me give it a go. And you started in your garage. Did you start at a gym? 
I mean, it came down to I didn't want to. I didn't want to do the go do arms and you know biceps today and then legs the next day. Like I was bored of all that stuff. So you know, being that he was kind of a believer in in the methodology, the CrossFit methodology, and he had a, he had a big part of you know expanding weightlifting in in this in, in CrossFit in general and trying to teach the movement the right way. It was my motivation to go try it out. Um, at that point, I had been working in the financial services world for probably about eight years. Um, I kind of got pulled into what's called a, a wholesaler role where I was covering the, the tri-state area, you know, going from offices to offices. You know, I was able to, I had an expense budget, which again, I'm still in the field today, but I, I use those expense budgets differently. But back then as they have an expense budget, guys want to eat. I'd go to big lunches. I would do big dinners. We'd have, you know, events in the evening. So, you know, I ballooned up to being a soft 220 pound guy, you know, in my mid thirties. So for me, it was just, hey, if I can go and, and offset some of this by training, you know, two times a week. And that's how it started. It was how do I maybe try to offset some of this unhealthy stuff I'm doing with training two times a week. Still, you know, continue to maintain that lifestyle, but train throughout it. Um, will it help? And I quickly recognized that, hey, what if I go a third day? You know, the the, the progress was so quick and, and the fact that there was a level of athleticism needed um, goal setting, you know, I had the Olympic lifting background already. So I had a barbell back in my hands. It was just something that I fell in love with pretty, pretty easily. And, and seeing the results, you know, again, a 220 pound soft, soft guy, you know, in the field of financial services, trying to get back in shape to then slowly seeing, you know, some, some toning happening and strength coming back. Um, that was the eye opener to me on how can I push this a little bit more and see how far I can take it. Um, and that's what led to, you know, the opens back then, you know, how do you every year try to improve in the open, you know, and I, I'd get jokes from people because I'd have a list of all the open movements. You know, how do I become as effective as possible at all of the movements we've seen in the opens historically? And people would laugh at me. I'd, I'd have a list and I'd just check them off and try to become more and more efficient at every one of them. You know, whether it was pull-ups and then trying to, you know, master that and do butterfly, uh, but to me, that was the fun part. There was always something new to master. And there was a level of not only strength, but athleticism that was that needed to take place for you to be successful. You know, and then I started to kind of age up. And, you know, that 40 age bracket was getting closer and closer. And I shut down pretty much everything else in my life and, and started to focus on training, you know, three hours, four hours a day in some cases. Um, and I did that for three plus years, which is how I was able to get to the CrossFit games in 17, 16, 17 and 18, you know. And what's interesting is um, how you talk about, you know, you're, you're training three to four hours a day. And I think a lot of people, they try to jump right into that. And what they didn't recognize is they see you doing that, but they didn't see that you were training twice a day your whole life. And you're training multiple hours for years upon years, you know, and you built that capacity well before CrossFit was there. And for you to start training like that again, although I'm sure it was a hurdle at first, it became very natural for your body to have to adapt with that again. And a lot of people these days see that these top athletes do that and they don't recognize what happened before they started CrossFit. Most of these athletes in CrossFit are XD1 this, XD1 that. They're all athletes who have been training like that their whole lives. And for someone who hasn't and gets into CrossFit and says, oh, I want to be really good at this, and they start doing that, 
that's how injuries happen. And that's a lot to why I believe CrossFit also has a bad name other than in the beginning the form wasn't there. Now, um, what was the first gym you were going to? Like, how did you have a coach? Was it um, anything specific or were you kind of like on your own? Yeah, so just touching on my my coach today, and he was a coach when, when I was at Misfit Athletics, which kind of leads to what programming that I start following. You know, he gave a great example of, you know, athletes today and how we've seen kind of CrossFit transition over the last 10 or so years. You know, if you look at athletes today, you can't skip the line. You know, they feel like if I'm 100 people deep, I'm somehow going to get from 100th to the first person in line within a couple of months. And that's just not the case. If you look back at just the history of CrossFit and, and go back to the early CrossFit games videos that you see out there, I mean, the struggling ring muscle ups to the you know, Annie Thor's daughter, you know, barely being able to get those workouts done or those movements done. She's been building that foundational um, strength and those foundational movements for years. And that's why she's able to, at this point, you know, kind of be back there every single year. So I love how he would say this today. It's like, you can't skip the line. Yeah. Having the, the, the luxury, I guess, and the experience of, I know what it takes to, to get to the next level, whatever level that is. I know I've got to shut things down. I know, how my body responds when I do uh, really focus on on just short-term and long-term goals. So when that 40 started to come around, I knew exactly what I had to do to give myself my best chance. Um, so that's been the fun thing about 16. I mean, I followed uh, general programming at the gym for a number of years and then quickly realized that, again, if I'm going to make this run, I'm going to have to start adding some more structure to my training. And I... Uh, followed a guy down in Jersey, um, Corey Lunny. Uh, him and I both competed at a competition in Connecticut at one point. He's much younger than I am. He's an individual athlete in his mid-20s. But me in my you know mid to late 30s, I was keeping up with the kid for a little while, right? And then six or so months later, I saw him at another competition. And out of nowhere, he had just blown up and become a really great CrossFit athlete. Asked him what he was doing. He was following the Misfit Athletics program. And that's when I started to say, how do I get involved and, and really hone in on, you know, what program am I going to use, program am I going to use, and how has it been so effective for him? If it has been, let's see if it will be effective for me. And what I loved about it, it was structure. It was very similar to how I trained as a weightlifter. You know, we started with some, some warm-up. It would go to a strength piece. There'd be a, a conditioning aspect that followed, and it would always be what they would call bitch work, you know, that mental grind, shut your mind off and just work. So that daily structure was something I was used to historically, and it was just I fell naturally into it. Um, I transitioned in 18 to work with Jason Leiden at a Conquer Athlete out of Connecticut, and the reason I did was my body, after training those three to four hours a day, it just, you know, again, it got beat up. Um, I had a lot of the fundamental stuff already built, and it was how can I clean up things like ring muscle-ups? How can I clean up some of my more gymnastics-focused things? There was just things that I really wanted to hone in on, and with Jason's programming, it allowed me to, to be a little bit more specific to my needs. Um, but what I quick, quickly realized at that point was, I hate to say I didn't have the time because you can make time. I made a kind of a priority shift in my life to say, I don't want to train three to four hours a day anymore. You know, I don't want to give up on those things that I gave up like skiing and, you know, doing things with my work colleagues and, 
you know, trying to build my business in financial services and grow that at a faster pace. So I put fitness aside a little bit and, and go figure Seth, who was part of Misfit, started a program called Jump Ship, which essentially is a 90-minute program, and I've been following that since the beginning of the year. It's just as structured as, as his old Misfit program was. There's uh, a lot of similarities to it, but I get it done in 90 minutes. And if I know if I need to do extra pieces, I can do that. But for right now, the 90 minutes is really kind of all I've, I've done um, over the last six months or so. And I, I'm still fit. I'm still healthy. It's just a different goal right now. Yeah, and that's awesome. I think at everyone's point in life, you have to just decide what's more important at that given time. And that you were able to make that decision is great, especially because you've been around it for a long time and been doing it. Um, you've made your accomplishments. What I want to talk about is CrossFit Games. What was that like those three years? Uh, you know, just give me some experience. Like, what was it like? And also, like, uh, you know, the time and effort put in there, people don't realize what it takes. And, you know, that's an amazing accomplishment. So let's just let's hear about that. Yeah, so 16 and 17, they were taking top 20 um, in the world. So it was a, a, actually all three of the years I qualified, they were taking top 20. I qualified in 16. I was actually tied... For, I believe it was 20th and I was on the outside of the cut. Um, so when people ask about, you know, do they do video reviews? They did video reviews and because they adjusted scores, I had bumped in and, and it pushed me to 19th. So that's kind of how I qualified my first year was they do review videos and, and I know they're doing it a lot more today, but that's essentially what got me in that particular year. Um, but the push was, you know, again, how do I, I had the luxury, I guess, of competing in Carson. So I had the last year, which was the 10th CrossFit Games. Um, it was in California or last year doing it in California. So it was, it's been really fun to be a part of something that was kind of the initial place, you know, and, and Carson and experiencing that in California and then moving to Madison and getting two years out of Madison and seeing how it transitioned and how the athletes differed. My first year, I went in really green, you know. I was of the mindset that I've got to go in hard in every single workout. And I remember the first workout being on the field um, at the stadium there. And it was middle of the day. It was this long chipper. It started with uh, GHD sit-up. No, it started with 365-pound deadlifts. The middle of the workout was rope climbs with kind of back-to-back -back wall balls. And I got to the second set of wall balls on the way back down, and I just blew up. So there is, if you go back to the videos when they were actually videoing masters at the games and, and providing us some spotlight, there's probably about five minutes worth of Steve being at the top of the list and they're showing some spotlight. Who's this guy out of Jersey or out of uh, New York and downstate to literally not seeing me for the rest of that event, you know? So it's been fun to kind of, you know, just progress in the sport. You know, you don't have to, you learn to, when to go fast, when to pace, you know, you learn how to strategize. So the 16 for me was just that, just, hey, great experience, had a big following of friends and family that got there. And then, you know, 17 and 18, it was just more, how do I now go and, and I've learned a lot from those experiences. Um, how do I take it and try to just be better and, and uh, work on those, again, things that I might have struggled with in 16. And, and that's what happened. I mean, I had a great 17, I had a great 18. And 18, I went in at eighth place after the, uh, the qualifier. So, you know, when people say, well, you made it in the top 20, I was able to get in the top 10 as well in kind of the middle tiers of that age bracket. Uh, the difference between Carson and Madison, yeah, different vibe. I mean, California's, you know, it's a hot spot. You know, you're really close to Manhattan Beach. It was a 
just a different experience in general. And then, you know, with Madison, what they did is they transitioned and, and had us intermingle with the individual athletes. We didn't have that chance in, in Carson. So what was great about it is some of the events we did were events that the individual athletes did. And you could see that there were some masters athletes that actually outshined some of the individual athletes in certain events, like um, the obstacle course. I mean, you talk about athleticism needed. You don't have to be super athletic at certain events in CrossFit. You know, you could just be a good athlete, but then you throw an obstacle course in there and you could see who's got some balance, who's got some just, who's just better athletically than others. So we, we had outshined a bunch of the individual athletes. When you see swimming, you know, that, that changes things up for people too. We've had master's athletes. I know I've come out of the water faster than some of the individual athletes. So that's always fun to see. But just intermingling with those people, you feel like you're part of the crew, you know. You really do feel like you belong. There's no, oh, my God, that's Matt Frazier. You know, it's cool to see these people, but you're not going to take that. I'm just not a guy to go and, and be at all at these guys. I feel like, hey, I've been at that level, um, at that level right now as a master's athlete, and we're all here in this together. And that, that's kind of what I've, um, you know, just over those three years of being there, that was always my perspective, going there, meet some new people. Um, don't get, you know, starstruck by those other athletes and, and just try to perform your best and have fun. And that's, that's kind of how it ended up. Uh, I've met a lot of good masters athletes, a lot of great people throughout that time span. You know, if I look back at year one, my, my head was down. I didn't talk to anyone. I was there to compete and I didn't care whose, whose way I got in or if I affected or made friends, you know, the, the 17 and 18, my second and third year, it was less about that and more about, hey, this is a really cool community of people that are doing the same thing I'm doing, have day jobs, have families, are pushing harder than they normally would at this age. Get to know them. And that's that's kind of the mindset and where it's been the last three or four years with these guys. And I've met some really good people that way. That's awesome. It seems like, yeah, duh, that was an amazing experience. And the community aspect of CrossFit is something that will always keep it around. And it's cool that even at the highest level, that community vibe is still there of getting to know people and making friends and rooting people on and um, less about, you know, coming in sixth instead of fifth. Like, of course, like in the individual athletes, like those guys are fighting for a podium spot, which there's not much fight until last year recently. Um, but you know, um, I think even at their level, like they're they're of course trying to podium and do their thing, but you're gonna see guys cheer each other on as the workouts are going on. They want to see everyone finish and they want to have a good time with it. And that's something to say about CrossFit, where you don't see in every sport. Um, but yeah, um, it, it's been awesome to hear your story. And now, um, very brief, uh, very briefly, just conclude us where you're at in terms of. You know your kids. Um, how you you know you're teaching these youth athletes for weightlifting, and I think that's awesome. Like, um, I think all kids should you know give it a shot, especially how young they are. Um, so, if you wouldn't mind just concluding with that, and then yeah, yeah. So, I mean, listen, I'm passionate about fitness. I'm passionate about weightlifting. I've been around weightlifting pretty much my entire life. So, you know, when people ask me, you know, how have you know, how have you become such a good coach? I don't see myself as a good coach. I mean, I've borrowed a lot of stuff from a lot of good people. Um, I've seen every kind of athlete move, whether it's the Asians, whether it's you know the Russians, whether um, it's just you know, different techniques over the years. And for me as a coach, it's it's less about putting you in a box and finding out what works best for the athlete. Um, and that's really what I preach to all of my young kids. I mean, it's 
it's not about, hey, let's do this because this is what the Chinese do. It's what makes sense for you. And if it's, you know, start with a duck stance because that makes you more comfortable from a starting position, then let's do that. If it's, you know, more Russian where we're loading your hamstrings and staying over the bar for longer, well, let's do that. If it's, you know, widening your grip for the jerk because you've got some shoulder mobility issues, well, let's let's widen your grip and give it a try. And that's always been my mindset. I don't want to put anyone in any sort of box. It's how do I make my athlete the best athlete they can be based on their fundamental, you know, body mechanics and the way they move. And that's what I'm teaching these kids. Um, I don't know. It started very much as as just a weightlifting program for me when we when we opened up Downstate um, six years ago. It was I just want to build a team of weightlifters, you know. And they saw me doing this. Parents saw me doing this, and. It started with one athlete. I mean, I could say my son, who was at that time like six, was probably the first person that had a PVC bar or a PVC pipe in his hand doing some movements. But uh, Olivia Barnett, you know, who's uh, who's been around the sport with me since day one, was someone that came in, had a little bit of fitness experience. I trained at some other gyms. She was, shoot, I think she was probably 10 or 11 at the time. Just a really generally good good person, great family. You know, I trained with uh, the parents at a previous gym, so they knew my skill set, knew what I could do as a coach, and it started with one. It started with her. Uh, from that point, you know, people started to see what we were doing with her, and you know, slowly but surely, kids started to roll in. I, I have never once stopped the program. We've had up to twenty plus kids in the program. We've gotten down to five, but I've continued to run the program. Where we've adjusted the program is. You know, I understand that it can't be weightlifting first, right? I'm not going to draw the kids in at weightlifting only. Uh, so really the last couple of years where the program's evolved, it's let's get these kids uh, strong. Let's build a foundation of movement. Let's put a barbell in their hands early on with the goal of making them better athletes for whatever other sports they might have a passion for at that time. The hope is that there'll be a few of them that fall in love with weightlifting and want to take it to the next level. And that's exactly what we've seen. I mean, I've had, I've got kids in there now that, hey, I want to train and get ready for football. Perfect. We're going to build explosive movements. You're going to do all the power stuff. We're going to squat. We're going to pull. We're going to make you the best, you know, best football player you could possibly be at this particular stage of your life. At the same time, you're going to be snatching. You're going to be cleaning, jerking, and maybe you're going to hit a competition at some point in the future and see if you like doing that. Again, putting kids on a platform, you know, in front of a group of people watching them being judged at an early age. Forget about sports in general. To me, it's just how do you develop as a young person and um, you know, be confident in yourself to get in front of a group like that and do these things on your own. It's it's an individual sport. As much as I say it's team, it is a team for us at, at, at my gym. You know, you're going up there all by yourself as an 11, 12, 14, 18-year-old in front of all these people on a national stage in some cases, and people are watching, and that's a big deal. And guess what? That progresses to life, whether it's sports, whether it's your college education, um, or whatever else you do in the future. And I'll be honest with you, when I, even to this day at my age, and I haven't had to interview for a long time for a position for any, for any reason, thank goodness, I've had my job for the last five years. But I still have the weightlifting thing on my resume. And inevitably, in every single interview I've ever had since I, since I you know, got into the working force has been, tell me more about this weightlifting thing. And that, to me, is what I really try to preach to my kids. It's more than just weightlifting. I mean, this stuff is something people want to hear about. It's short-term goals, long-term goals. What would you do to put your head down to get to these things? And 
you know, that's where you'll see the dividends in the future. And, and that's why the program has really developed and grown. And now I'm coaching, you know, strength and conditioning programs for a lacrosse team in the town, which has been amazing to be a part of, uh, to see those kids develop from, you know, freshmen in high school to seniors. I'm bummed that, you know, the Briarcliff varsity team didn't have a chance to play this year because of the virus. But in general, just watching them develop every year has been, has been fun for me. I'm just happy to be giving back to these kids. I know what it's done for me um, and my life and kind of how my career has gone, you know, thus far. And that's really why, you know, we see kids come back. And I think parents like bringing them over there because they see the passion that I bring every single day. And, and I really do care about their kids. I care more about the kids and what they do personally and how they can use this in the future than anything they'll ever do with a barbell in their hands. So I guess I'll just end it at that. Appreciate that, and um, I think that's a great thing to preach. Like, you know, I could preach that, um, but I don't think it means as much coming from me because of how young I am to have someone who has kids and be able to say that and preach it because you've done it. Um, I think that means a lot, and I, I try to develop that. I, I completely agree with everything you're saying from, you know, sports to real life, like weightlifting and fitness goes a long way. Um, last thing, three, a uh, couple quick questions. First one, real fast. Uh, best weightlifting coach you ever had? Uh, I, I've got a. It, I mean, there's three. Sorry, uh, my dad. Number one, obviously, he gave me the the keys and said, "Here, go run with this." Showed me the basics. Leo Totten, who's been my East Coast Gold coach since I was 13 years old, and he's still um, someone that's my coach today. And then what took me to the next tier was Dragomir Soroslan, who is our Romanian coach. Um, at the Olympic Training Center. I mean, the enthusiasm and passion that he brought to our training sessions and our competitions are why you see me get as fired up as I do when I see my kids lift and all of my athletes lift. What was what was a better experience, competing with the Olympic team or the CrossFit Games? Oh, man, that's a tough one. I mean, listen, qualifying for the junior world teams those two years was amazing. I, You know, my second year on that junior world team, I, I literally put my head down and, and tried to do everything I could to to do the best that I could. And I feel like it was one of my best competitions ever, going six for six, hitting nothing but personal records there. Had a lot of fun with that. You know, at an, at an older age, you know, the accomplishment of, hey, I can do this as a 40-year-old guy, you know, and – and still have all those other things in life, I think are pretty cool, you know? So, listen, the games have been a phenomenal experience for me here in my in my later stages of life. You know, I, I hate to see people cheating their way in to get there, you know? We don't get paid to be a part of the, the, the master's community in CrossFit, nor weightlifting for that matter. Um, you do it because you love it. Um, so, the one thing I've learned just over the last three or four years of doing this thing is... If you're doing it for any other reason than you really love this or you're cheating your way into it, it makes absolutely no sense. Go find some other sport to do it in. Um, so that, to me, the friendships, uh, the, the, the people I've been able to get in front of over the last you know, years of my CrossFit career has been something that I'll never, I'll never forget. So, yeah, again, twofold question or answer, but um, as a young athlete, yeah, absolutely, Junior Worlds and doing my best there. And then as a Masters athlete right now in the games, it's just – you know, get in front of as many people as I can and trying to make a difference at, at the age I'm at now. I'll leave it at that. Appreciate your time, man. Um, awesome having you today. And I'll uh, see you soon. Thanks so much, Tommy. Appreciate it, man. Good luck with the show. Later, guys. Catch the next episode. Talk to you soon.